Well, once again, good morning. My name is Brett, and uh, we're in week two of a series titled Summer Heat. Uh, we had no idea, as Chuck said last week, that it would be taking place during this massive heat wave. It's been kind of wild. And last week, Chuck shared a couple of his favorite jokes about heat. So I figured I'd uh, do a little more technological version of that. And I've got some memes I want to share with you guys about the summer heat, this heat wave. Um, first one is uh, for all my Lord of the Rings nerds out there. Uh, probably not many of you, but uh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, and go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, this one's pretty true as well. And then uh, go ahead and go to the next one. This one's very true for me, a fair-skinned man. Uh, Netflix is my number one way to not get a sunburn. But, uh, and then what's the last one? <laughs> I, I love that one too. Well, anyways, in this series, we're, we're looking at multiple stories of the Bible where the heat is turned up to see what God could be trying to teach us in the midst of it. And uh, last week, Pastor Chuck took a look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And uh, this week we're going to be taking a look at another very well-known story, and that is Jonah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give us a little bit of a lead-in to where we are in the story for our passage today. Jonah starts by him receiving a word from the Lord to go to Nineveh to uh, kind of preach against them, tell them to repent of their wicked ways. And Jonah doesn't like that because Nineveh is a, it's a, is a really big enemy of Israel. So he decides to, to flee on a ship to Tarshish where uh, he um, tries to escape the Lord's command to him. But while on the, on the sea, there's this giant wind that the Lord provides that, that ends up crashing into the, the boat, makes the weather terrible, and uh, they end up throwing him overboard. While he's drowning in the ocean, there's this uh, giant fish that comes and swallows him whole. And it's in the belly of that giant fish that he lives for three days and three nights. And as he's in that fish, he repents for his disobedience to God. Now once the fish eventually spits him out onto land and he makes his way to Nineveh where God originally had called him to go. And once he got to Nineveh, he preached the word that God called him to preach. And the craziest thing happened. They repented. They listened to and they did what he asked them to do. And because of this, God was merciful. And he decided that he was going to spare their lives for the time being. But Jonah didn't like this. Jonah wanted God's justice and wrath to be placed on his enemy. And when that happened, Jonah responded in anger. And that's where we pick up our story today. Today we're going to be in our, our passage is going to be in Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. Our, our scripture reader for today is John Wright. John, would you mind walking up there? Um, here at Twin Falls Reformed Church, we have a tradition of standing for the reading of God's word. We face the center of the room to remind us of the centrality that scripture is supposed to have on our lives. So if you could please join me if you're able, and then go ahead and start reading whenever you're ready, John. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, set in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. 
And Jonah was very happy about the plant, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? John, you can be seated. Um, we enter into this passage with an angry Jonah. He's upset with God's decision to spare his enemies. And while he's in his isolation, uh, there's multiple levels of heat that he has to deal with and come to grips with. Uh, there's the blazing sun. There's the scorching east wind. But then there's also his anger that he's dwelling in. And the Hebrew word for anger is uh, chara, and it literally means to be hot, to be furious, to burn. And as we read about Jonah living in his anger, it seems natural that God might be trying to teach us something about our anger, or maybe about our disobedience. But if we look at this story through another lens, there's a deeper piece that we can get from it. There's uh, something addressed more than just the life lessons of Jonah. In the heat of the moment, this passage shows us four truths about who God is. I think a lot of times we take scripture and we, we take the protagonist and we, we, we wrap a sermon around them, but I think there's actually more to be learned here about who God is than about how Jonah responds. So the first uh, truth that God's showing through this story is that God is a loving God. We can see God's love for Jonah through the kindness and comfort that he gives him. It's played out through a response to Jonah's anger. If uh, you look at his response after he gives this woes me mentality and walks out, uh, God responds with this in verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. To, to appreciate God's response to Jonah, I want us to remember uh, that just two verses earlier, if you have your Bible, you can look back. Two verses earlier, Jonah uh, was asked by God if it was okay for him to be angry. And Jonah responded with nothing. He, he didn't respond to God's question. What he did next is he walked out into the city. He sort of gave God the cold shoulder. 
And that's pretty bold for a guy who just got swallowed by a giant fish because of his disobedience. But how did God respond? Because I feel like if I was in that moment, I would respond quite a bit differently than he did. He responded by providing him with shade, easing his comfort, and allowing him a source of happiness. I know if one of my kids, this never happens obviously, but if one of my kids were to be disobedient, um, they had the audacity to uh, go against what I told them to do and then eventually did it, but then complained about the reward or consequence because of it, I'd be a little bit fired up. Now throw on top of that, if they were to walk away when I asked them a question and go like stomp away in the room and pout, I would be really upset. But that's not who God is. God's response to Jonah is not one of reciprocal frustration. It's one of unconditional love. As an act of love, God created a source of shade for Jonah. And it helped him get through the heat of the day. He also provided a source of comfort and joy. It says that the plant gave him joy. God showed his love for Jonah through his kindness. It's important for us to remember that sometimes love is not easy to see. There's times where God's love is very apparent. But I would say more than that, there's times where God's love is discreet or subtle. Oftentimes, like in Jonah's case, uh, we have a hard time maybe seeing it. Uh, it might take the form of that extra green light you get on the way to work when you're running a little bit late. It might be uh, that cloud coverage on that sunny day where it's 100 degrees and it just cools off for a little bit. Or maybe you've got that barbecue planned and it's supposed to rain, but for that next hour, the sun is out. God shows his love for us in extravagant ways, but also in the subtleties of life. In Jonah, we, we see that God's capability to love is unconditional. There's, there's, there's no bounds to what he does. He just had an angry man vent to him, and he can still respond by giving him joy, comfort, and kindness. It's valuable for us to remember that we serve that same God. That same God that gives that unconditional love to Jonah is the one who's with us in all that we do. Uh, the second truth about God that's on display in this story is that he's relational. If you look at verse 9, it says, But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. That kind of reminds me of something a child would say, like when they're, when they're running to their room and, uh, and uh, in a bit of a fit. But in this verse, God is speaking to and listening to Jonah. Throughout the entirety of this story, you can see Jonah and God talking and listening. Our God is not a God that kind of sits in the corner with his arms folded and waits to see what's going on around us. No, he's with us. 
He wants to be in the middle of what we're doing. He's constantly trying to communicate with us. God allows Jonah to vent his frustrations and provides the opportunity for Jonah to be honest with God. And I think that's a great thing for us to model. It's okay for us to do that, but there's something that has to come afterwards, and that's repentance. But God also spoke to Jonah. He asked him questions to try to get him to uh, grow in his faith or to check where his heart was. We often forget in our relationship with God that a relationship is a two-way experience. Uh, it's easy for us to give God all of our prayer requests and all of our praises, and those are all great. He wants those. But there's also the element of listening. Listening for God him to speak into our lives. Our God is relational and he wants to speak into our lives. We just might be trying to listen to him on the wrong frequency. So many times in the Bible, it says that the Lord speaks in the silent, in the stillness. That uh, we are to wait for the Lord. What kind of time are we giving God to wait for him and just listen. We have busy lives. It's hard to do that. But we have a relational God that wants to speak to us, and it's important we find ways for him to be incorporated into our lives. We can also be spending quiet time alone in our Bibles. The Bible is the word of God. Let him speak to you through that. If you're not finding time, you're missing out. But God also shows his relational nature in this story uh, by always being with Jonah. If you look back through it, he was with Jonah when he was fleeing on the ship. He was with Jonah as he was drowning. He was with Jonah as he was swallowed up in the, in the big fish. He was with Jonah when he went to Nineveh. He was with him out in the desert. We have a God that never leaves our side, regardless of what we're going through. He's always with us. He's relational, and he wants to be in the midst of what we're doing. But it can be hard to remember that sometimes. The third truth revealed within Jonah's story is that God is merciful. Uh, in verse 11, it says, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? Despite all the wicked things that, the, that Nineveh had going on, God still chose to forgive and spare their lives. He gave them mercy. It didn't matter that they were enemies of his people. It didn't matter what they had done before. They, they genuinely repented, and God granted them his mercy. He chose to have compassion on those people because they were ready to change their life in a way that was real. But we don't only see God's mercy with the people of Nineveh. We see it with Jonah. Because we see God show up in his disobedience and forgive him. We see him walk alongside Jonah while he's angry at him and still continue to work in his life. We serve a merciful God. And it's important uh, that we know that whether it's one of God's people or whether it's an enemy of Israel, or whether it's you or it's me, God 
loves everyone. He loves his creation so much that he is compelled to be merciful. But there has to be an act of repentance. This truth points us towards something powerful. It's the gospel. Uh, we, like, we, like the people of Nineveh, uh, are sinners. We, 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 we do wicked things. We, we tend to put things in our life that, that put us down a wrong path. But because of God's mercy, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die and be resurrected so that we could have relationship with him again. How cool is that? In Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, But by his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Before we gave our lives to Jesus, if that's what we've done, we were just like the people of Nineveh, living in our sin, in our, in our evil ways. But because of God's rich mercy, we're able to join in relationship with him and find abundant life. The fourth truth about God that we can find uh, in the story of Jonah here is that God is sovereign. In the heat of everything that's going on, God is sovereign. And we see his stamp throughout the entire story. If we even go back to Jonah chapter 1, verses 17, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. In Jonah 4, 6, it says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah. In Jonah 4, 7, it says, But at the dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed up the plant so that it withered. And in verse 4, 8, it says, When the sun rose, God provided a scorching wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. In the heat of all that was going on, God was there making things happen. And I hope that you notice that all these verses have a common word that was bolded, and it's provided. God provided. The Hebrew word for provide is mana. And it means to count or to number or, or to prepare. And when we look at the nature of that word where it's placed, uh, there's an implied specificity to it. Uh, to number is to have a specific order in which something should go. What this passage is telling us is that God prepared each of those events specifically in a particular order so that his will could be done. And the same is true in our lives. God places things specifically in the right order so that his will will be done. Have any of you ever had one of those moments where a chain of events happens and there's just too much coincidence for it to, to not be planned in some regard? Uh, I know there's a number of times in my life where I felt like God was just making things happen and guiding where I was going. It was, it was so apparent. 
And a time that stands out to me was about seven and a half years ago. Uh, it was fall 2013, and my beautiful wife, Laura, was pregnant with our firstborn son. And uh, it was kind of a season of figuring out, like, what's next? Uh, I was looking, like, what's my career going to be? i got to find something for the family. I was really feeling God pushing me to start volunteering in youth ministry again. And so I go through the fall, and there's, there's doors opening and closing with, with job opportunities. And I, I continue just working with the youth and enjoying my time with them. And then uh, around Dece- was it December or January, uh, I got a phone call in the middle of the night or, or during some time, and uh, it was Pastor Chuck and my dad, and they asked if I could meet with them. And they told me that our youth pastor had decided to go to a different church. And my heart instantly sank for the students because I cared about them. But uh, what ended up happening is uh, I met with them, and they were like, hey, Brett, uh, what about you? And I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm worthy of this. Like, this is a big responsibility. But the timing was like, I'm looking for a job. I don't know, but I, I just don't know if it's for me. Uh, at that time, I was also waiting to hear back from another job opportunity. I was one of the finalists for that, and I was just waiting for the, the call if I got it or didn't. And uh, within that next week, I had multiple people reach out to me and you know, say, hey, they, they had no idea I'd had this conversation with, with the pastors. And they're like, hey, you should do the youth job. Hey, that'd be kind of cool. Have you thought about doing this? And it was just that encouragement that God knew I needed to get on that path he needed me to get on. And I ended up taking the job, and, you know, the rest is history. I've been there for seven and a half years now and love what I do. And it's funny, the, the job that I, turned, that, I, that I was waiting on actually called me the next day before I, I accepted that job. So uh, God works in mysterious ways. And there's a lot of times where you'll just see that he's guiding you down a path, or there's going to be event after event with the perfect timing that allows for you to live out his will. God is the one putting everything into motion so that his will can be done. This is a truth that can be hard for us to accept sometimes, especially when our circumstances get unfortunate, when life isn't going well. Many of us find ourselves like Jonah, unable to understand who God is in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our struggle. We have a hard time remembering uh, this God that unconditionally loves us, a God who is in relationship with us, a God who has shown us mercy, is the God who's in control. I think it's easy for us to forget that. He's got control over our circumstances. This passage shows us that God not only knows what's happening in our life, but is also the one controlling the story. And in the heat of Jonah's circumstances, we are able to get a glimpse of who God is and how he works. Uh, We see that he's a loving, relational, merciful, and sovereign God. If we were to just look at Jonah, we'd miss all that. This passage tells us so much about who God is. 
Now, for some of us, these truths might be brand new. You're like, wow, I've never heard these before. But I would, I would guess for most of us, we've heard these on some level or another. But something we can't take for granted is Jonah knew this too. Jonah knew these truths about God, yet he still couldn't handle it the right way when he was in the midst of his situation. There's a difference between knowing and believing in God's truth. We can know something's true and not do anything about it. Great example of this is I've been told since I was like four years old to floss my teeth. I know I'm supposed to. I know it's good for my teeth. I'm terrible at flossing. I'll never floss my teeth probably well, once in a while. But the, the other thing that's, that's true, I know this is, you know, if you, if you have a healthy diet and you exercise, you know, you can lose weight. I know this, but I don't believe in it. I don't, I don't act it out all the time. But if we believe in something, it means that it should compel us to action. If we believe in something enough, we are going to do something about it. What beliefs in life do you find yourself compelled to act on? What are the things that make you do what you do? Is it money? Is it education? Is it success? Self-improvement? Is it family? Do you find yourself compelled to act on your belief in God and who he is or your relationship with Jesus? It's a good question to ask. What are we compelled to do because of what we believe? What do you find yourself believing in most when your circumstances go wrong? Is it that God is in control and he has mercy and he loves us? Or is it, what am I going to do about this? What are people going to think? I have to admit, uh, when life gets tough, I tend to find myself looking more like Jonah. I forget these amazing truths about God, and I get wrapped up in my own circumstances. And then I end up missing so much of what he's trying to show me, tell me about his love, about his mercy. But our belief in God should change the way we handle life when things get tough or when things get uncomfortable. I would bet that most of us in here identify with Jonah in that regard. We know a lot of truths about God, but we don't allow our belief in those truths to transcend the situations that we're in. But what if we could? What if when we found ourselves in the heat of the moment of our life circumstances, we could remember and believe in those four truths that we were shown today? We could believe that God is loving, that he's relational, that he's merciful, and that he's sovereign. He's got it all covered. How would that transform the way that you and I deal with the difficult times in life? I would bet 
it would completely transform it. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for, for all you are in our lives. Lord, sometimes we, we, we know these truths about you, but we fail to believe in them and to act them out. And I pray that you put it on all of our hearts today, uh, that we would just pursue actively believing those things. We love you. And Lord, we know some of us are going through hard times right now. Some of us are going through mountaintop experiences. But God, we ask that in the midst of whatever it is we are doing, we remember that you're there for us and that you've got it all covered. You've got a plan. We love you, God. And it's your name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.